Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I find myself going back to this over and over again. I know I've preached this passage uh, over and over. I've really focused on the front part of uh, chapter 2, but I want to really focus in verses 8 through 10 today. Um, We're in a series of why we gather as a church, and you might get that question. Uh, Someone say, well, what did you do Sunday morning? I went to church, and and they look at you like you're a bad person, and what are you not concerned about anyone? Are you going to a super spreader event? And uh, um, you know, why would you why would you risk our community to go to church? And we need to have an answer for that. Why is it so important for us to gather? Um, and this day we're talking about the idea of that our works don't work. Our works don't work. Uh, as you think about your life, one of the things that is really common, so, so common as uh, my life, and I, I think about the people that I talk to, uh, we struggle with guilt. We struggle with guilt. And uh, the older you are, probably the more you struggle with guilt, right? You know why? <laughs> You've done more dumb things, uh, right? You've had more time. You're more experienced. <laughs> when Kids, when you look at uh, older people and they say they've got experience, that's all that means. They've made more mistakes than you have. You can't imagine that as a kid, but it's true. You just think about yourself and all the dumb things you've done as a kid. The person you're talking to was once a kid too and did at least as many of those things, and they've had more years to compile those things. We struggle with guilt. And so how do you deal with guilt? Uh, how does the natural man deal with guilt? There's a couple of different ways. Um, they, they look for the idea of money, accounting. So I, I did $10 worth of sin, $10 worth of sin. So I'm going to do $10 worth of good things, and it'll make it a wash. It'll make it zero, right? Uh, that's one way people think about dealing with sin. Other ways that we deal with sin is that we just busy ourselves. We just get crazy busy and we look for the thrill of the next thing. We, we buy fast cars and we spend money and we, we go and we go and we go and we go and we go thinking that if I don't have time to sit and think about the things that I have done, I won't be guilty anymore. But what happens? Eventually you got to go to sleep, Right. Eventually, and as you slow down from your life and as you have some moments to think, the emptiness and the guilt of sin come over us. Sometimes people medicate themselves with different things and ways to get through the day, whether it be alcohol, drugs, food, uh, any kinds of things that would somehow uh, take the pain away for a moment from the guilt of the things that I've done. The problem with guilt is, is, you know, um, a lot of times people say, well, don't feel guilty about that. Everybody does that. Well, the problem with guilt is that we're guilty, right? Uh, it, it's, it's one thing if we've been wrongly accused, but most of the time as we feel guilty, we've been rightly accused. And the more we think about it, the more guilty we feel and become because that's the reality of our lives. Today I want to share with you um, really what I I feel like is uh, just a crucial, crucial piece of the gospel message. 
um, is how to be right with God. And it's not through works. It's not through us doing something. Um, and this is why we gather. And, and we gather, uh, I, I want to say it this way, we gather to hear a gracious gospel. We gather to hear that. But we gather to remember it too, right? Uh, some of us, um, our guilt has been, for, we've been forgiven of all the things that we have done. And so that should relieve our guilt But as we seek to be self-righteous people, sometimes we go back to that idea. We slip into it and say, well, did God really forgive me? Did did he really forgive all of it? What about the sin I did yesterday or this morning? What, What about those things? And to really cling to the message of Jesus, to really experience the forgiveness that's only found in him, and to hear it, be reminded of it, and to remind others of the forgiveness of Jesus. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first 10 verses in Ephesians chapter 2. And once again, we'll be focusing on 8, 9, and 10 this morning. God's word says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out uh, the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God... Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that at the coming ages that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God, we ask your blessing on your word, uh, that we would know it well now, uh, that we would hear it, that it would uh, really become the basis for all that we think and do. God, forgive us for having our own ideas of how to become right with you, how to uh, receive forgiveness of guilt, that we might cling to your answer for our problem, uh, not trying to do it on our own. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to spend the bulk of our time here, but we are. I do have some other verses that I'm going to uh, have the guys put up on the screen as well. Uh, we start this morning, and I'm going to kind of bounce around in Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. But I want you to get this first and foremost, is our best effort. Um, I, I think in sports, uh, we talk about that a lot. We realize that players are at different levels and they uh, have different skills and uh, training. And so we're, we're always asking players to give their best effort. 
uh, to give everything they've got. Um, and we also encourage them that that's enough, that that's good. It's good to give your best effort. And as we look to the scripture, we know this, that this is very hard for us to get. It seems counterintuitive that our best effort is not enough. Our best effort is not enough. As, as you look at uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we see that it tells us um, in verse 9 that it's not a result of works. It's not a result of works. In verse 8 it says, And this not of your own doing. It's not of your own doing, and it's not a result of works. Uh, as we look at this passage, it's a passage that's, that's talking about how to get right with God. And it's much more dramatic than we would even say in guilt, because uh, in the first couple of verses in chapter 2, it says you were dead. You know, how do you resurrect the dead thing? How do you bring one that is dead to life? And the first thing I want you to get this morning is that it is not a result of what you did or are doing. It's not a result of works that you can produce. I know that that makes you feel kind of um, desperate, right? Oh, if I can't do it, how's it going to get done? I'm supposed to take responsibility for myself, and yet I can't. If this is something I can't do, where does that leave me? It's interesting. It's our, uh, our worst efforts, our sins that we've committed. It seems... Uh, the, the logical thing that our worst efforts should be, we should compensate for them with our best efforts. But what the scripture tells us is that the result of salvation, the result of forgiveness, is not of your own doing. It's not a result of your works. It's not. It can't be. Many of us think about what we should do in, because of what we have done. Well, maybe I should give money, be generous, be that person who's charitable and always says yes, has this idea that when somebody asks, I'm going to be generous. I'll help the poor. I'm one that as I see people that are in poverty, I realize that uh, I've done a lot of bad things and somehow God would, he has a heart for the poor, so I should give. And so maybe God would... uh, Look the other way on these other things that I did if I give and I'm generous to the poor. Or, or maybe it's the people around me that struggle. I, I, I have an eye for people who are struggling in their marriage or struggling with their kids or, or struggling with their health. And I want to be generous to them. I want to see a way to help them so that they don't struggle. And, and as I walk away, I'll go, man, that, that felt good. It, it was a good thing. And somehow that will cover up those other things that I have accomplished or that I have done. Or maybe even it's more spiritual than that. And you say, well, I'm going to uh, be generous with the church. Speaking of counterintuitive, the pastor would talk about uh, it's not, uh, the, it won't do anything for you to give to the church. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You cannot, uh, God loves the local church. He loves it. He loves it. He he. he gave his son to die, that these places like this would occur and that we would be people in lighthouses and communities. 
And he loves the church, but the idea that one would give to the church in such a way that they would have take care of the guilt and the shame and the sins that they've committed. Uh, frankly, it's a bad math problem because we couldn't give enough, right? Uh, the debt is too high. Even to missions, as we uh, looked on the screen and we, we saw the work that's going on in Russia and um, those of us who have studied history, uh, we realize that it's a dark place, dark place. And so the idea of giving to missions, well, that's a good thing. I want to tell you, it won't take care of your guilt. It won't bring the dead back to life. And so as, as we look at this this morning, first and foremost, for us to remember that our best effort leaves us wanting. There's a, a smell of death to our lives that comes from uh, the guilt and the things that we have done. Maybe, maybe for you, it's service. You think that you can serve enough. You can, you can teach Sunday school. You can involve yourself in the men's breakfast. Men's breakfast was awesome yesterday. It was awesome. We were out on the patio, the beautiful patio. Uh, we, it was great. Thanks, guys. But even if, uh, th- that, that will not absolve your, uh, your guilt of your sin. You, you might think you're a supporter of the youth ministry or a WANA leader or uh, Thanksgiving. You serve at the homeless shelter in town and, or down in Bakersfield or one of the great cities around us. Maybe some of you think that education, theological education is where you're at. I, I'm going to learn more about what the Bible is. I'm going to learn about the history and read it more. But the idea is that somehow that would solve the guilt problem. Maybe for some of you, you bank on the idea that you've been through hard times and you say, well, God would never reject me because I had a rough upbringing and I was maybe abused or came from a broken home or from poverty. Of course, the Lord accepts me and he, he will consider that payment for the things that I've done and even justified for doing them. Maybe for some of you, you, you think about a time in your life, a decision that you made and that somehow that in and of itself, that day that prayer, that camp, that experience would somehow be enough. And even some uh, going through a physical thing like baptism, uh, you'd say that because I was baptized, I'm right with God. Baptized, baptized as an infant. Um, by the way, if you were baptized as an infant, did it really mean a lot to you at the time? Uh, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you that the picture in Scripture is not, it's faith in Christ, faith in Christ, baptism in response to that. I want to tell you that the things that we do, <clears throat> our best efforts, the Lord makes clear Scriptures. It's not of your own doing. It's not a result of works. That's our best effort. It's not just that our best effort wasn't good enough. all of our best wasn't good enough. It's hard because we look at certain events, but just sometimes we look and we say, well, compiled all those things would somehow, all the things, I'm a good person in the way I've lived. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, uh, Jesus was speaking and he was talking about this very idea of doing good works and piling them up and and all of the things that are done. 
chapter 5, verse 20, Matthew. He says, For I tell you, unless the, your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Yikes. For us, that might shock you, but for the people who are hearing it, it would shock them all the more. Because when they looked at their community, they realized it was the profession of the scribes and Pharisees to be good. They were the best the town had to offer. They were the ones who knew the most, and uh, they took great pains and pride in doing everything right. And he says, unless your righteousness, they were professional righteous people, unless your righteousness exceeds those professional righteous people, you won't see the kingdom of heaven, which should leave all of us to say this, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm just a common sinner. Like, I'm not a professional, right? Uh, I, I, I need, like, I come up short. And it's always funny to say I come up short. It, it, it gives this picture that, you know, if it's a football field, oh, I was just five yards short. Most of us weren't even on the field, right? Okay. We were so far away from a touchdown. Uh, it, it's not that we were just a little bit short. It's we were a lot short. Our righteousness wasn't even close. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, uh, the Apostle Paul described his own journey in righteousness. And the idea of righteousness is the idea of those works that would make us right, not guilty, that would make us justified, the idea that uh, our life would be free from sin. The Apostle Paul shares his own faith journey. And in chapter 3, we could read more, but we're not going to, verses 7 through 9. But he, he says, whatever I, but whatever gain I had, he just listed out his gain in chapter 3. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For the sake I had suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and being found in Him. And this is what I want you to get right here. Verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own. Hear that, not having a righteousness of my own. It's not being a good person in and of yourself. It's not having or trusting in that which you have accomplished, your place in life, your finances, your, your deeds of generosity, your uh, service. It's saying, that's not what gains me the righteousness. And in this passage, it's beautiful because he, he, he kept, keeps talking about being found in Christ, being connected to Christ, being... Uh, uh, blessed with everything that's found in him, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. One of our works was not good enough, nor was the collective amount of our works good enough. All the good things that we could ever accomplish were not good enough. 
There was no way to be found righteous, a righteousness of our own. So our best wasn't good enough, but also all of our best was not good enough. Which brings us to number three, his best work, his best work. If you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and I, I try not, I was trying not to go back here, but I, I will anyways. In verse 4, um, if, you, if you see Ephesians 2, two like this, uh, verses 1 and 2 is the desperate state of our, our soul. Like, and when I say desperate, it sounds urgent, but it's not really that urgent because we're dead. It's hopeless. When something's hopeless, it's not that urgent, right? There's no way. Verses 1 and 2 are the hopelessness or the deadness of our sin. But then at verse 3, like crashing into the scene, uh, God comes in with his mercy. In, in verse, I'm sorry, verse 4, um, verse 4 says, But God being rich in mercy, being rich in mercy, meaning that he shows sinful people who deserve something. He shows them mercy when they deserve judgment. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It doesn't speak specifically about what Christ did, but it leaves Him as the only answer in this passage for our deadness, our hopelessness. It's Christ who is the one. And it's His work. When you see uh, the... Different ways that Christ is described. Christ, His name Jesus, Lord. Um, when, when you see Christ, it really connects to this idea of the Old Testament Messiah, the, the Savior that was to come, and the one that was the only answer to the problem that they had. And for us, He is the only answer uh, for our guilt problem. Don't try to uh, try anything else. This isn't... I know that... Um, Maybe you've had this experience as well, where uh, you you have some kind of uh, ailment. Uh, you you have a um, sore muscle, or maybe you have a cough, or maybe there's something going wrong with you. And so you decide to go into town at CVS or Walgreens, and you go into the section of over-the-counter drugs, and there's just this pile, this pile of 30 different options of things that you could try. And, and so you go, well, I tried that one before. It didn't work that well. And I've tried this. I've tried that. Maybe I'll try this. Or maybe you gave three or four and you just go up there and you just go, boom, I'm going to try them all. Um, I want to tell you, that if there was a section that talked about your sin debt, there'd only be one. His name is Jesus. He's the only one. And so as we, we look at the problem of sin, we, we see our works won't work. They won't. It's not just that our works won't work, but the pile of our works won't work. And so we need to trust in His best work. We see His, his work that God looked upon our deadness, and there was only one answer for it. It was His Son, Jesus, by His plan, sending Christ to die on the cross. If you look at our, our passage this morning, <clears throat> it says this. 
It says, uh, for by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Saved through faith. You consider this passage, it's faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's faith in Him. It's, it's taking away, uh, He's putting side by side faith in works, trusting in your works, the things that you can do, or trusting in the finished work of Christ. That somehow the thing that He did would be enough for the guilt that I have done. Faith in Him. Faith in Him. As you think about why we meet, it's reminding ourselves, it's hearing the message of faith, that we trust in Jesus, but it's also reminding ourselves. I, I, I'll be honest, I think that there were times this week, this week, that I wanted to put faith in the things that I've done. I wanted to, uh, the emptiness, the guilt of sin would, would draw me back to this idea that, oh, I'm going to be a good person now. I'm going to somehow please God. It, it's really the whole message of the book of Galatians. If you, you want to study this whole idea of works, the whole uh, message of the book of Galatians. You know, that we, we start in faith, but then we run back to those works and we make ourselves feel good by the things that we have done. It's not the answer. It's faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, His finished work. Faith in His work, saved through faith. In Galatians chapter 3, um, like I said, the book of Galatians is a great study uh, for the idea of works. What do we do with works? And do they save us? No. And do they sanctify us? No, they don't do that either. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Paul writes this. He says, For, uh, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Did you get it? For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Curses everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. And then verse 11, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. How do you become righteous? You trust in Jesus Christ. His righteousness then becomes your very own. His finished work for you, His finished work for me. Well, I, I want to have three more points and I'll just uh, go through them quickly. Because our best work, our best works w- was not good enough, that our works didn't work, but His work Jesus on the cross did for us and putting our faith in him. And the, the word that is used in this passage is the word grace. In verse 8 it says, For by grace you have been saved. And, and, and this picture here is, is describing, and he also uses the word gift, is that God's favor rests on you based upon him, not upon you. Grace shows, the the picture of grace is that we were unworthy, but we received favor. We were not his child, we were not deserving and had position, but the book of Ephesians says, I'm going to adopt you, I'm going to bring you in. 
I'm going to give you my love at an awful price of my son. The grace uh, that we receive because of Jesus is the only grace that will save us. If you're wondering what to do with your guilt, it ha- the answer has to be the grace of God. It has to be. Because your works won't work. It's not a huge point in this passage, but one that bears repeating and, and, and just keeping fixed in our mind. At the end of verse 9, it says this, so that no one may boast. No one may boast. Think about that. Um, what happens when we did something awesome? We love it for one thing. It doesn't happen very often. We like it if there were pictures too, right? Or some kind of certificate at least. Put it up on the refrigerator because it doesn't happen very often. Uh, we, we love it. If it were based upon our works, what could we say? I saved myself. I did it. I had the guilt of my own sin, but by golly, by hard work, yeah, I, I figured it out, and I saved myself. No, no one would say that, right? We wouldn't say that, but we would say, yeah, I'm pretty good. Not as, not as bad as those other people. <laughs> uh, I, I want to tell you, if we could save ourselves, we'd do it. And we'd love to do it because then we wouldn't have to say that anybody helped us. It was my works that saved me. But part of the plan of God is that when it came to the salvation of our souls, so that no one may boast. No one. Why? Because when Christ went to the cross... The Father's plan was being worked out. Whose plan was it? It's God's plan. It was His loving plan. Whose sacrifice was it? It was Jesus Christ, His Son, His special Son. So who deserves the credit? The plan of God, Jesus Christ, the work of, the work of Christ in my life. And so we're not self-made men and women. We're not self-saved men and women. We are people that forever should be magnifying our our Lord and Savior, glorifying Him. Why? Because He's the reason. He's the reason we are righteous. He is the reason that we are saved. He is the reason that the guilt has been set free from us. Love this passage because of the way it ends up in verse 10. We see his grace, we see his glory. Uh, Now we see his works in you. Faith produced works. Verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand beforehand that we should walk in them. What does verse 10 have to do with anything? Well, uh, it kind of goes like this. You're dead in sin and it's a really bad deal. God interrupts that uh, state of deadness with his merciful gift of salvation in his son, Jesus Christ, by grace, not by works. Those works, they got you dead. The grace of God, the work of Jesus, is what makes you alive. And, and it's only that. It's only his grace. And so we glorify him. But what do we do now? 
Do we not do works? No, we do. Verse 10. We've been created for works. We've been created. Not that we would try to work our way into favor with God, but that we would now find our purpose as his workmanship to do the things that he wants us to do. I want to tell you that uh, verse 10 is a verse of purpose. What has he saved you for? What has he saved you for? What, what does he want you? What part of his plan does he want you to play right now? We're his workmanship, created for good works. Um, you, you think about how he places works. Um, he first says your works won't be any good. It won't be effective. It's the work of Christ. And now in verse 10, he says, I'm going to give you works to do. I'm going to give you works to do. And they will fill your life with goodness. They, they will give you purpose. It's what you were created to do. There's this thrill to know that we're serving God with the life that he has now created in us. I want to tell you that uh, there are many things in this life, and you can busy yourself with every one of them. You You can. You can fill this life and be busy and, uh, and you know, make it to the end of this life and spend all the time. And I, I, I get it. I get it. But there's no greater thrill as God's people than serving in his, in his part of his plan. To be a part of a church. To be a part of encouraging others in the faith and watching young ones grow to love him and uh, encouraging each other and studying the scripture together and, and realizing that we are a part of something eternal. It's amazing. And so as we think about if you've settled the issue of the guilt of your soul, if you settle that in faith in Jesus Christ, the rest of the time is to look for ways to serve and to live out the new life that he has given you inside his son Jesus. This is great stuff, and I want to tell you, this is the reason we meet. This is the reason. Because there's no other way to to uh, receive the forgiveness of sin and the uh, letting go of that guilt. And there's no other place where we can work to be a part of something and part of the plan of God, to remind each other of this beautiful message that we can find hope in this world. This is why we gather. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. We ask that you would continue to uh, hold, hold us fast in the, the, the true gospel, not in a gospel of works, which is really no good news at all. That we just got to work harder. We feel guilty and we got to do this and we got to do that. God, help us cling to the message of your son that uh, he took care of it all. There's no condemnation because of what Christ Jesus has done. God, glorify yourself here at Bear Valley Church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.